So here we are in this self-quarantining season, this season of social distancing. Uh, it's been really hard, you know, COVID-19, is pandemic all over the world. People are tired of being separated. They're tired of the new routines, which are many times very, very boring for some people. Some people are really feeling a lot of pressure to go back to work. Those people that are working are feeling a lot of pressure and anxiety. I know someone personally that uh, she's a healthcare, she's a nurse, healthcare professional. I talked to her briefly on the phone the other day, and the fear in her voice was—you could literally feel it. Now, this person, I don't believe, is is a believer. There's a, a religiousness, there's a, a God-fearingness to her life, and so told her I'd be praying for her and uh, again so this just it's a really difficult time so I've been struggling with okay Lord what direction do we go on Sunday mornings and uh, other other times of teaching and, and preaching Lord what direction do we go and I just felt like you know why don't we just go through the Psalms let's just look at the Psalms and and you know the Psalms are full of of the full gamut of human experience and human emotion. And so I just thought, you know, that would be great. And so I'm today we're going to read Psalm 23. And this is going to be fairly, very devotional, uh, probably not like a typical sermon. Um, but I'm just trusting that when we look at this simple, very familiar Psalm, that boy, it would just, it would just strengthen our hearts. Our faith would be strengthened. Our, our just confidence as we look to the future would be like, oh, it's going to be okay. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And uh, again, this, this psalm, it's very familiar, but it's full of just beautiful golden nuggets of truth that help us uh, just really keep our eyes on Jesus uh, I personally didn't grow up on a farm, but for the last 15 years, we moved to the country in Lisbon about 15 years ago, maybe 16 years ago, uh, and 15 years ago, and uh, we had some areas of our property that we couldn't really mow because they were full of rocks. There used to be a building there, and it was all this tall grass and weeds, and I had a, a friend in the church that he owned sheep. He said, well, and, and actually he had some orphans. And so he gave us some orphan lambs. That was at my first experience with sheep, real sheep that is. Um, and yeah, so we've had sheep and lambs ever since. I'm certainly not an expert. Uh, there's a lot that I don't know, but I've had a few really kind of cool and experiences with uh, with sheep and lambs through the years. And so when I read Psalm 23, it just brings back a lot of thoughts and experiences that I've had uh, with our little hobby farm. So um, uh, the other thing is, to, it's important to realize this is a Psalm of David. Now when David was a young man, he was a shepherd. He cared for his father's sheep. And before he was king, and I'm not sure when this was actually written. Um, I don't know that David wrote this, Psalm 23, when he was a young man, uh, sh shepherding the sheep, or soon after that. Or the possibility is that he actually wrote it as an older man, but remembering back over his life, and he realized, ah, God, you have taken care of me, just like I used to take care of my dad's 
flock when I was a boy. Lord, you have done that very thing in my life as I look back through the years. So I'm not sure when he wrote it, but it certainly is a Psalm of David. It's very familiar, very beloved, but it's chock full of truth that I believe will help us to, to really fix our eyes on Jesus. So let's, let's read it, let's pray, and then uh, we'll jump in together. Psalm 23, <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, thank you for this, uh, this psalm. And uh, Lord, we just ask you to bless our time. We want to, uh, in a sense, sit at your feet. God, we want to, uh, to, to hear your word. And Lord, we, we honor you today. We love you. And I pray you'd even just use our time. And Lord, use the things that I say. I, I pray they would be more than just Mike's words. I pray, God, that you would anoint and you would strengthen the hearts of the people that hear this. In Jesus' name, amen. So one last thing about the psalm as we get started. I, I don't, although you've probably heard this psalm read at funerals, and I've probably even read it at funerals, I think it's more than just about dying. I think it's really about living. And certainly there's some parts of it that, that speak to someone who would be literally facing death and near death's door. Uh, they would be greatly comforted by them. And I know little, probably millions of people have through the years, but it's more than just about dying. It really is about living. So the first part, and I'm going to interject a few personal stories of our little hobby farm through the years and of intera interactions I've had uh, as, a, as a shepherd with genuine sheep. Um, so first, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. That's an incredible verse. So, the word, the Lord, is in the Hebrew is Jehovah. So, here is God of the universe, the creator of all, the self-existent one. The, the being who never had a beginning, will never have an end, who created the heavens and the earth. Um, he is, uh, he knows everything. He's all-powerful. There's no place within the universe that you and I could ever go that he wouldn't be there. Okay, He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's uh, omnipresent. He's, he's the all-powerful God. And David says, the Lord. He is my shepherd. The fact that God would allow himself to be described as a shepherd is actually an amazing act of condescension itself. A shepherd is really not a real um, fancy or esteemed vocation. A shepherd is a very simple life 
not powerful people were shepherds, uh, probably not very wealthy by the world's standards, uh, but the God of the universe allows himself to be called a shepherd. David obviously sees himself and the people of God as sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So in our relationship with the Lord, it's important that we realize that he is, he is our everything. If Jesus is your shepherd, if God of the universe is your shepherd, we're good. I mean, we ha ultimately, we have everything we could ever hope for or need as a human being if the Lord of the universe is our shepherd. We're his sheep, and he's our shepherd. Verse 2 and, and beyond talks about what, what, is a, what is a satisfied, what does a well-cared-for sheep look like? A sheep that has no want at all. What does he look like? Well, a few things. Number one, the uh, says the shepherd will uh, lead and guide in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. A good shepherd feeds his flock. The good shepherd knows exactly what the flock needs to eat, and he uh, makes sure they have what they, what they need accordingly. Now, I've never seen a shepherd, and I've never done this myself. I've never forced my sheep to lay down out in the field. I've never seen a shepherd have a, sh uh, you know, a sheep in a headlock, other than maybe shearing season. You've got to wrestle them to the ground sometimes to shear them. But other than that, how does a shepherd make sheep lay down? It's very simple. It's when they are well-fed, well-watered, and free from danger. In that environment, sheep lay down very, very easily. They're just, they eat, they drink, they sleep, they're at rest. Now, sheep are very easily agitated. Sheep are very defenseless. They, about the only way that a sheep can defend itself apart from a shepherd. If a sheep were apart from the shepherd, again though, this whole psalm is talking about the closeness of the sheep and the shepherd. But if a sheep was apart from a shepherd, the only way they could defend themselves is the fact that they flock together. You know, they all bunch up together, and that might provide a little bit of protection against a predator. But other than that, they're pretty, pretty defenseless, very, uh, very vulnerable in that sense. But the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. You know, one thing I've found on my hobby farm is that sheep often can be pretty loud complainers. And uh, what I mean by that is they'll ba ba they'll they'll just they'll it'll they'll act like they're starving, and they're not. And so what I found, especially this time of year in like April, like this. Uh, the grass really hasn't started to grow a whole lot. It's really gotten green the last couple weeks, but it's still really, really short. And uh, so what I did is I had a giant, big round hay bale out there. And I thought, okay, they're just going to eat the round hay bale, realizing the grass isn't really growing yet. You know what? They didn't. They would prefer a quarter inch of green grass, and they'd eat it right down to the dirt. And so they're like, their lips are in the dirt as opposed to the gray hay bale. So literally what I've had to do recently is I've taken them 
and I put a few giant hay bales in the barn, close them in the barn, so they don't have the option to see the green grass. Because they do prefer green grass over the brown hay bale. I guess I get it. They've been eating hay all winter. Uh, they, they want some fresh grass. I do get it. But the Good Shepherd knows how to lead us to pastures where our soul are satisfied in Him. You know, that's one, one thing about a devotional life. I don't know, one of the things I've been praying all along during this uh, pandemic and this social distancing is, God, please help us. Help us to draw near to you in this time. Now, I know not everybody maybe has extra time on their hands, but a lot of people do. May we take it sitting at the feet of Jesus. May we do it. Uh, and may we take advantage of this time and really get into Scripture and really get into the Word. And uh, I don't know, I, I think that's really important. He makes us lay, lie down in green pastures. I like this next verse. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul. You know, um, you would think a sheep that has lots of green grass, lots of clean water, and is free from predators... Uh, what, what's what's wrong with their soul? Their soul's probably perfect. No, there's still there's still things that can happen in a sheep's life uh, that are potential hazards. One of them is what's called um, casting. I don't know if you've ever heard of a cast down or cast sheep. And again, I've told I've said this earlier. Sheep are very vulnerable. They're they're really uh, kind of weak animals in some ways. And they really need a lot of tender care from a shepherd. And when a sheep gets cast, basically, if they lay down out in the field, and there's a little divot in the ground, and maybe their wool is a little long, they haven't been sheared yet, maybe they got a stomach full of grass, maybe they're pregnant, and they lay in this little divot, and if they're not careful, uh, all of a sudden they'll find themselves on their side, and all of a sudden, before they know it, they're on their back. And a sheep on his back cannot get up. It's called a cast sheep. He lays there and he gets stuck. This happened to me just the, about about three months ago. I walk into the barn and there was only one sheep in there. And the sheep was on its back, kicking its legs, totally stuck, totally up. Now she was pregnant. And I get it. She, she had a big belly. But it was just a little divot in the concrete in the barn. And she got stuck with nobody around. I'm like, dude, how long have you been in this position? And she's like, just kicking. And, it, you know, and it, part of me laughed when I saw her. Part of me was like, oh, my gosh, this animal is pathetic. <laughs> so I get in there in the barn and start pulling her up and getting her to her feet. And she kind of wibbles and wobbles and boom, falls over again. And I'm like, oh my God, I hope she's going to be okay. Lord, please let her be okay. And so I get her back up on her feet and I'm rubbing her legs. And after a while, she, she was okay. And she ran out and was with the other sheep eating. Um, she was okay. But it was just a picture of how vulnerable sheep are. I thought of a cast sheep. And I thought of this verse. He restores my soul. Our soul is pretty fragile sometimes. Our soul 
is, you know, there's lots of little, you know, dangers, toils, and snares. We have all, through, through them, we've already come. Uh, amazing grace, you know. The uh, Wizard of Oz, there's lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. There, life is full of, of things that will drain our soul. But you know what? Jesus wants to renew our soul. He wants to restore our soul. He wants to, through daily communion with him, refresh our soul and um, that we will never outgrow that as a Christian you and I will get drained we will have situations that are bothersome we will have irritants in our life but Jesus says he will restore our soul next verse says even though um, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me I love that verse a very familiar verse um, so we walk through this thing the sheep does through the valley of the shadow of death um, but I love this it doesn't say that the shepherd removes all the potential dangers from from the sheep's life no sheep are out now now in my world uh you know our sheep have a barn and have fences around it in david's world there were no barn and there were no fences so there were coyotes there were wolves there were all kinds of predatory animals so there was genuine danger out there um but i love the fact that the solution the shepherd gives is uh, or, or the, the solution that the, sh the sheep realize is, I will fear no evil, for you, good shepherd, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So God's main solution for us to battle fear. Now, fear is something to be battled. We have a lot of things, genuine concerns that we're facing. Then, not only genuine concerns, just the fear of what could go wrong in our future. There are people feeling a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, and then just the fear of what might happen. Um, here's the main comfort that this verse gives us is, uh, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So I don't need to know everything about the future. I don't need to know every detail of my life. I do need to know that he said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. That's very comforting. That gives me courage. That is an incredible promise. He will never leave us nor forsake us. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is why I said this isn't this psalm isn't necessarily about heaven. There's no enemies in heaven. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So, um, beautiful part of the psalm. So, uh, the whole idea of anointing with oil. So, one thing that happens with sheep is uh, they, yes, they're vulnerable to predators, number one, but they're also vulnerable to bugs, insects. 
and there's a certain time of the year that there are these flies that will land on a sheep on their head. They'll swarm around their head, then they'll land on their nose, crawl up in their nose, and lay eggs inside the mucous membranes of their nose. And then after a couple days, those eggs will hatch, and there'll be these little larvae, and they literally are crawling up into the sheep's head and to get into his brain. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what a picture of... This doesn't that describe the Christian life in sometimes. You know, the battle we have is between our ears. The battle is our thoughts. The battle is in our minds so much of the time. And again, with the idea of fear. Fear, there are genuine things to fear, but a lot of times fears are just our imagination, got, you know, run amok. And it's just going crazy. And if you let go of that steering wheel of your mind, and it just it can easily just go into a ditch of the worst case scenario. And that's that's the human condition. But I love this, I love this psalm. That the good shepherd he anoints our head with oil. Oil in that day for the sheep was the way that the animal was protected from these larvae and from these flies. I, I've had problems with this with some of my sheep years ago. I had all these maggots in the, in, in the, in the wool of the sheep. And we had, you know, you had to use a, like a bug spray to get them off. But isn't that an amazing picture that God says, listen, I will help you in your thought life. You, we can, by the grace of God, take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. When Jesus said, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear... You know, uh, don't. And then he says, consider, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns. Yet your father feeds them. Aren't you of more value than they? Consider the lilies in the field. You know, he basically is giving us thoughts that are just pregnant with God's truth. And that's what's supposed to protect our mind from the worst case scenarios. And I just see that as... The idea that the Lord anointing our head with oil, my cup overflows. I thought of the, the promise that Paul gave to Timothy. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Holy Spirit is not going to just let, is not going to be speaking and filling our mind and our heart with the worst case scenario. He is always going to be pointing us to Jesus Christ his finished work on the cross, and say, listen, if I've done this for you already, I'll take care of that other stuff. I will take care of that other stuff. Just trust me. Take a deep breath. I'm your shepherd, and you're, you're my sheep. That's what Jesus says to us. So I think that's amazing. The last part of this psalm, says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The good shepherd, he feeds us, he restores our soul, he delivers us from evil and outer evil, no matter what the predator might be, and inner evil, those thoughts that come unbidden to our mind, he promises to, to be with us, take care of us. He knows exactly what we need. There's a couple of other uh, pictures in Scripture that, uh, you know, this, this whole idea of 
the, uh, the sheep and the shepherd analogy. One of them is found in John chapter 10. You're probably familiar with it. I won't read it uh, fully, but it's basically the com comparison between a, the shepherd and a hireling. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus owns the sheep. <coughs> the hireling is really nothing more than a hired hand around the farm. The shepherd, the good shepherd, loves the sheep. The hireling basically punches a clock. Jesus doesn't punch a clock in our lives. Uh, the good shepherd sees danger. Um, look out. He rolls up his sleeves and gets involved. He doesn't take off when danger comes in our lives. Aren't you so glad about that? When you're in a tough time, Jesus doesn't say, ah, uh, you know, you're on, this, you're on your own on this one. Never. He's a good shepherd. We're sheep. We're needy. We're vulnerable. We need help. And he's there, and he helps us. The hireling, just the opposite. He takes off. The sh good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hireling again says, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to look for a new job. Jesus is a good shepherd. Another um, contrast that we find in Scripture regarding the whole sheep-shepherd um, kind of narrative that's through Scripture is the whole idea of the sheep and the goats. Matthew 25, Jesus talked about uh, this parable about the end of the age. And I know you know the story. It says, when the Son of Man comes, I'm going to read just a few verses. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He'll sit on His glorious throne. Before Him He will, uh, will be gathered all the nations. And He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come! You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For basically, he'll go on and say, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Um, I, was, uh, I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, and again, the idea, you came to me, you visited me. And the people will hear that, and they'll, well, Lord, when did we do that? And Jesus will say, whatever you did to the least of these, my brethren, you did to me. And then he'll go, and, and then um, to the others, he'll say, hey, I was, he'll say the same thing. I was hungry, but you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything. I was a stranger, you didn't welcome me. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was sick, you didn't visit me. I was a prisoner, and I rotted there. Okay? And that will be their condemnation. Now, on the surface, it sounds like this story is basically a good sheep versus bad sheep. But we have to understand, to understand this story is the very first part. The master, the king, separates sheep from the goats. It's not just good sheep and bad sheep. Caring sheep and uncaring sheep. God is not going to judge us someday on, on uh, you know, were we a good guy or a bad guy. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? That is a given. This story reflects the character of God's 
sheep and God's people. Now, there's certainly a provocation in it, but boy, we need to make sure we're doing this. We need to make sure we're caring for the hungry and feeding those that are in need and visiting the, you know, those that are in prison and in hospitals and welcoming the show. We need to be doing that. That's the character of God's people. But make sure we understand it's not a good sheep versus bad sheep story. It's a sheep versus a goat. Sheep in scripture always is referring to those whom the Lord has redeemed. It's not just a general description of human beings. It's specific for God's people. I'm going to end with this story regarding the idea of becoming part of the sheepfold and Jesus being your good shepherd. Um, One of my personal favorite stories of our little hobby farm with sheep years ago. I had a friend who, well, he was the same guy that gave me the original sheep, and he told me how if you have an orphan, how you can actually get an orphan to be adopted by a mother. So when you have an orphan lamb and the mother rejects the orphan, it's a real pain for the shepherd. It's a lot of work. You got to you got to feed them bottles, and you got to be really attentive four times a day. It's just a lot of work. So I'm thinking, you know, and so we, we had a lamb that was orphaned. It was our first one that was ever orphaned. We never had this before. And I'm like, oh, no. So what are we going to do? So my friend said, occasionally you can get another you excuse me, to adopt the orphan lamb. And this is what you do. You take the afterbirth of a newly born lamb. You take that, you wipe it off, and then you spread that all on top of the, the, uh, the orphan. And, you know, the mom, the youth, she's just giving birth, so I don't know, she's, she's maybe confused, like, I don't know how many I pushed out. Uh, you know... I don't know. I don't remember pushing. <laughs> I don't remember pushing out this many. But this one smells like mine. I guess it is mine. And she'll start cleaning that lamb that you took the afterbirth of the one that was genuinely born. Spread it all over, and she will adopt it. Well, guess what? A couple days after we had our orphan, I had another you that gave birth, and she only gave birth to one. And that was kind of unusual. So we did exactly what this farmer friend of mine told me to do, and guess what? It worked. The mother was, I guess, a little confused, and she smelled this other orphan that was a few days old, licked it off, cleaned it off, and adopted it as her own. It worked. And you know what? Here's the beautiful thing about that story. That beautifully depicts the way you and I are adopted into God's family. You and I, in our own self, are not beautiful or attractive to God. Scripture says we are dead in trespasses and sin in ourself. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The the wages of sin is death. Okay? And so we are, we're orphaned in that sense from a holy and a perfect God. But you know what God did for us? He sent his own son to die on a cross, not for anything he ever did wrong, but to pay for your sin and my sin. In essence, he kind of took the afterbirth, the perfect afterbirth of the blood of his son and wiped it on us. 
and all of Christ's righteousness now is imputed to you and to me. That's how we become part of God's family, by simple faith, by simple trust, by simply calling on his name. So if you're here today and you're listening to this and you know maybe you've heard some of the stories of the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But that's not an automatic. You have to respond to the invitation. You know, another thing Jesus talked about, the shepherd and the sheep relationship. He said, my, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So have you, do you, have you heard the voice of Jesus calling you out of sin? Have you heard him say, come to me. Come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And... Uh, that's what it means to be a sheep. It means we respond to the call of the shepherd. And once we do, again, doesn't mean life is perfect. Doesn't mean we won't have any predators. Don't, doesn't mean we won't have any flies buzzing around our head. But we have a good shepherd for our soul. He knows exactly how to care for us. If you've never opened your heart to Jesus, I, I would encourage you to do that today. It's simple. You pray a prayer like this, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you lived a perfect life. You never sinned. And then you died on a cross, not for a penalty for your sin, but you died for me. You died as my substitute. Jesus, I thank you. And I thank you. The story doesn't end there, but Lord, after three days, you rose from the grave to prove that it was all so. Lord, please come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash away my sins and make me all that you want me to be. Lord, I want to be a sheep in, and I want you to, to be my good shepherd. Thank you and praise you. Amen.